All right. So last week we ran into some technical difficulties. No difficulties recording the pod. We recorded it just fine. We talked about how sad it was that the Astros lost the Nats in a seven-game series. It was a really great series. But unfortunately, all the talk is lost, all the niceties I gave to the Nats. And now with a week away, I can say, ugh, I hate them. So whatever. The Astros are going to win the 2020 World Series. Okay. Well, that's just not true. Yeah, it could be true. I don't know. Secretly, I think the Brewers are going to do it, but that's for another day. I don't know. We, we, we've got a whole baseball offseason to talk about. The awards are going to be coming out soon. So next week, we're definitely going to go back to some baseball talk. But this week is definitely going to be more basketball-focused, I'd say. What about you? Yeah, no, I think our main focus is now basketball. Yeah. And I've also started to get into college football more. Really? I have started. I was into Also, co- college basketball started. That's true. I did watch both games last night. And I have some takes. But which I was not expecting to drop on this podcast, but I'm excited to drop them. Oh uh, yeah, I, college football I've tuned out a little bit since UT lost to TCU. Yeah, Texas is not back. Texas is not back, but that, that, we're going to talk about that soon. But first, Milo Hamilton swinging, lining it to left. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the StatCast, Basketball Edition. I'm not going to say Basketball Edition after this anymore because they're all going to be Basketball Editions for a while, but Basketball Edition. Sam, it's been a great week of basketball, I think, even though we've definitely had some controversy. We've had some players get suspended. We've had some rookies really shining and second and third year players, seeming some of them making a huge leap. What do you want to talk about first? Well, before we get into all of the recent news, I feel like we would be doing the listeners a disservice if we, you know, didn't tell them, you know, what our outlook was for, you know, the rest of the season or for the season, I guess you could say. That's fair. We did do in, on the last pod, which got, we had, uh, we ranked where we thought each, not ranked, we projected where we thought each team would sort out in the seedings. I think there might have been a little bit of shuffling. The Lakers look realer, definitely realer than we thought they were at this point last week. So do you want to just go get right into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's start with the East. So we're going to go back and forth and just give uh, which team we we think is going to take each seed for the top eight seeds. Yeah. And, you know, reasons why. So for me, give me I, your. I think it's a, t- a tier of two. Who do you have? So for me, I have one seed being Philly. Mm-hmm. They uh, they kept on, they held on to Tobias Harris, um, signed him that max five years, one hundred eighty. Yeah. Uh, they got Al Horford for four you know, hundred. Yeah. Four four hundred. Yeah, think. like a lot of money. They have they traded away Jimmy Butler to the Heat in a sign and trade, and they got Josh Richardson back. Yeah. So Josh Richardson, who was the best player on the Heat last year, and debatable. No, I would say so. I like Bam. 
Bam was a, might be the best player on the Heat this year, but I think Josh No, Richardson, Jimmy Butler's the best player on the Heat this year. Fine, that's fair. Jimmy Butler hasn't played that much. But Josh Richardson, I, did he make the All-Star game last year? No. He didn't make the All-Star game, but he played relatively well, I thought. And he's almost seems like a little bit of a Jimmy Butler light because he can play some really good defense. He can hit some threes. He's a wing. He can play either either slot on the wing. And funnily enough, he's the shortest player at like six foot five, six foot six in the Sixers big man lineup, which is incredible to see on a court because they just tower over literally everybody. Like, I don't think they've played the Blazers yet, but I cannot wait to see Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum versus the Mammoths in the Sixers lineup. But Josh Richardson, good addition to the team, I think. He, I don't know, there's not a lot of, not everyone on the team can really stick on to speedy guys. Ben Simmons, a great defender, but he might not be able to, like, stop, say, like a Steph Curry kind of guy. But Josh Richardson is the kind of guy you put on your... I mean, ben Simmons probably doesn't even know where the three-point line is. Ben Simmons is a great defender right now. Ben Simmons doesn't know where it is on offense, but he sure seems to be able to find it on defense. Just as a broken shot. So, yeah. Who's your one? My one is also the Sixers. They were my... From back in July, I think... Uh, every, me and everybody else, we just had the Sixers as you could almost pencil it in as the best team in the East and the team most likely to make the finals. I absolutely love what they did this offseason. Josh Richardson makes uh, s- severely cushions the blow of losing uh, Jimmy Butler. And that Al Horford, ad- Al Horford addition, pretty much out of nowhere to a lineup that already included Joel Embiid, it did two, really, it did two things. One... It made the Sixers pretty much indomitable in the post. And two, they took him away from the Celtics, who were one of their main rivals. Horford, in the past, was really effective, especially in the 2018 playoffs, at stopping Joel Embiid. And now you only really have one other team that's competitive against you in the Eastern Conference, and that's Milwaukee. And Horford has, well, he hasn't been able to stop Giannis. He's been able to do a relatively decent job on him in the past. And so giving Horford that task of just be the main defensive stopper and letting him be at rest and really take over the game on offense. He can be the best offensive, for- the most dominant offensive force in the league, uh, I think, at certain times. I think that was those were some really smart additions. The bench is one that people had been a little low on because they lost J.J. Redick. They didn't seem to have that much shooting. But James Ennis has been passable. They, uh, Matisse Teibel was Matisse Teibel, yes. a phenomenal addition to the draft. Just an absolute lockdown defender from day one as a rookie. He was known for doing that in college, and that's pretty much his calling card, and he's come up with pretty much the same. He's can, He can get steals. He can get blocks. He's, like, what, like 6'5"? He can't really shoot, but he makes that Philly bench definitely interesting. And that big lineup, obviously, with Simmons at the one, Richardson and Harris on the wings, and then Horford and Embiid down low is downright scary for a league without that many teams with a lot of front court depth, including all the best teams in the East. Yeah, the next best team in the East, according to me, is the Bucks. Yeah, but I, I agree. unlike other people, I think it's actually a very st- steep drop from one to two. Yeah, I think Philly's much better than the Bucks. I think the Bucks are not in position to win uh, more than, I guess, two playoff series uh, because Giannis still hasn't shown me the ability that he can actually shoot very well. That's, and that's fair. 
if he's the best player on your team and you can kind of do the Draymond sag on him, then it's a bit it, yeah, it hurts. The issue with giving doing the Draymond sag on Giannis though is that if he could if you he gets going downhill, he's gonna go right to the rim and with just like a flurry of helicopter like arms, he's gonna be above there dunking it in. So that that worries me a little bit, but at the same time, yeah, the offense that the Bucks have this year, while it's been fine, is a little bit to worry about because of the loss of Malcolm Brogdon. They bring back rel- pretty much the same team as last year, plus Robin Lopez but minus Brogdon, who was their best creator besides Giannis and also could play really well off the ball. And so with a little less spacing this year, a little less creating this year, Giannis, it seems like from watching the Bucks, that Giannis has to do almost everything because Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton really aren't that great besides as off-ball guys and as decent defenders too. So with Giannis forced to do too much, there aren't very many players in the league who can sustain a team like that. James Harden, maybe. LeBron, yeah. KD, yeah. But Giannis really has to become even more dynamic, as dynamic as he is right now, to show that the Bucks can compete with the Sixers. Yeah, and I agree with you right now. They're, a little, they're definitely at least a half tier below the Sixers in a not-that-loaded East. Although kind of feisty East. Let's talk about, let's talk about more of the interesting stuff. The three through... What is it, like four, five, six? Yeah, so my three is the Celtics. Mm-hmm. They replaced um, the no pictures, please, Kyrie with Kemba Walker. Yeah. Added a- They added Anis Cantor. They drafted Taco Fall, a.k.a. Burrito Autumn. Who has a 67% usage rate when he's in the games. By the way, a 67% usage rate means that when he's in the games two-thirds of possessions either end in him shooting it or, what is it, assisting? Yeah. In either Taco Fall uh, shot, assist, or drawn foul. Just dropping that in. Keep going. Yes, per th- he's, I'm pretty sure he's averaging 48 points per 36 minutes. Mm-hmm. Taco Fall is going to be a PER god, basically, because he's going to be the most efficient player on the planet. The issue is you definitely can't play a... A rail thin seven foot seven foot seven guy who can't really move very much all that long, or else he's gonna get exposed. But when you need a bunch of dunks in a hurry, he's your guy. Yeah, um, I think, I like our bench. I think for the Celtics, the their biggest addition was a Gordon Hayward who actually can take over games again because that was what they were really missing last year. Gordon Hayward seemed scared coming back from his leg injury. Uh, the other night, he went back to the Cavs arena, which is the one that felled yep, him in the first was, place. Yeah, it was the revenge game. Went 17 for 20 and scored a career high 39. Yeah, the lesser known arena revenge game. But yeah, so Gordon Hayward uh, has been one of the best players in the league this year. He's one of the best true shooting marks in the league. He's shooting the ball well. He's slashing well. He's driving and kicking well. He is pretty much the, the guy that everyone was thought he could be coming in to the, make the Celtics team great. They obviously don't have Kyrie there, so there is a little bit of a limit on that ceiling because Kyrie is, regardless of the mess that comes along with Kyrie, he's probably a better player than anyone the Celtics have right now, but I think they're glad to be rid of him. They're in my four spot. My number three spot is one team which has been hot from the beginning of the season. They are on fire from three. Yep, that's right. It's the Miami Heat. I think they're a team that before Jimmy Butler came back, they were already showing what they could do. 
Kendrick Nunn has been a real star from right out of the gate as an undrafted guy. Bam Adebayo seems to really be coming into his own as what people projected he could do in the league as a big guy who could actually ball hand a little a little bit, make some good passes, and obviously defend at a super high level. He's incredible down low in the post, blocking shots, and as well as uh, with chase down blocks too. And I think he really has the tools to be one of the better centers in the East. And obviously Jimmy Butler on that team really raised it to another level. And I think they're going to be battling the Celtics all year for that three spot. But I, I predict that the Heat pull it out in the end. Um, so my four is going to surprise a lot of people. My four, I still am sticking with the Atlanta Hawks as my number four seed. And that brings us to an interesting story because the Atlanta Hawks is, I would say, second best player, John Collins, who is really a key player to... Uh, how their offense works, which I'm going to talk about later. Uh, he got suspended 25 games for uh, a performance-enhancing drug. Yeah, it's not a great look. Um, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Trey Young was just coming back uh, last night. He and, missed him by one night. Yeah, he missed him by one night. So now Collins is going to have to sit the next 25 games. Yeah. Troy Young's going to have to score basically 45 a game to give the Hawks a chance. He can do it. I mean, he can. He's somehow incredibly efficient as well as just scoring in volume. So Yeah. That's dangerous. But I love the Hawks. I love Alex Len. I love man, DeAndre Hunter, not that great. Cam Reddish, also not that great. Vince Carter, old but still kind of good. Yeah. Uh, they got Evan Turner. I don't know if he's even going to play any minutes, any mm-hmm. meaningful n- minutes, but at least they have him. Yeah, Trey Young. It's Oh, that's right. They have Jabari Parker. I forgot about that. That's true. Talk uh, about, I'm going to talk, be talking uh, yeah. about him too. Yeah. Um, I just like the Hawks. I'm buying fully into the Hawks hype train. Yeah? Yeah. All right. And then you already said your four was the Celtics. Yeah, who's your five? Oh, God. My five is probably the Heat. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Do you think they're going to be close to the Celtics, or do you think the Celtics are a decent I think, level above them? I think them? They'll, they're a decent level above I think the Celtics are a decent level above them. Even with the Heat having my man Duncan Robinson getting actual minutes. Yeah. But I just don't think the Heat can sustain this run. That's fair. I think the Heat can sustain this run. I think they're a really good team from top to bottom. They play hard. They remind me of the Nets from last year. But they have a bit of a higher ceiling because Jimmy Butler is a really good player who's made all NBA teams in the past. And I wouldn't be surprised if he, for instance, makes the All-Star team again this year. And, yeah, I think that's a good fit for him as well because he's a kind of player who can really mesh anywhere since he's just a great two-way wing. Who's your five? My number five team is the Raptors, which is a team that people thought would fall off. They won the title last year. People thought it might fall off a bit without Kawhi Leonard there. It seemed like the team might even sell Kyle Lowry or some of the older vets. But instead, they pretty much stuck them together. They decided to see out the year, which I think was nice to the city of Toronto for not blowing it up immediately. But also, Pascal Siakam has really become a star this year. He's been one of the best players in the NBA through the early going um, he's been great on offense. He not only are they running the offense through him, he's running the offense, which is something you really like seeing out of a big guy like him, who can who's he's added added a lot of ways. Uh, 
don't know, scoring abilities to his game. He's been passing really well, too. And, yeah, so the Toronto Raptors, who are a good veteran team, they've clearly been there before. I don't think they're going to go any lower than the five seed. Uh, I have them at six, but, again, I have the Hawks at four, so yeah. I think it, it's very similar. Uh, for similar reasons, I think Fred Van Vliet is very good. Yeah. He deserved that one uh, finals MVP vote from Hubie Brown. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, losing Kawhi did He was phenomenal well. in the finals. He was phenomenal in the finals. But I think losing Kawhi is going to hurt their chances at actually making a run at the title. I don't think it's possible for them to make a run at the title with even even if there are only four teams ahead of them yeah. in the standings. I just don't see it as being possible. I would be a little surprised if they got out of even the first round. So, yeah, it's the East this year. There aren't that many really good teams, but there are a lot more, I'd say, a little above average teams than I thought. And I have the Hawks at six. I have been a huge Hawks fan for the longest time, I want to say. I think they're a really fun team to watch. Trey Young in the second half of last year outperformed, um, whatchamacallit? Luka. He totally outperformed Luka, and Luka had a great year. And Trey Young, I think some people are comparing him to Steve Nash. Some people are comparing him to Steph Curry. He seems like it could be a mix of both. He's scoring at a phenomenally high level. And with young guys that hopefully will meld together, Kevin Herter is really good. They're, although he's been hurt, they're a team that I think the front office has really emphasized their fit on the court, and that's something which you don't see a lot uh, in teams in the NBA, emphasizing the fit. It's more like, see which guys you can put on the floor, and then, like, I don't know, um, meld them together and hope it works. Like, <clears throat> the Lakers. Rockets. Lakers. <laughs> Rockets. Lakers. But anyway, the Hawks are a team that should make e- – they're guys who can make each other better. The things they do really uh, have an impact on everybody on the floor. So that's why I really like them. And I think six might even be a little high. There were a lot of people who didn't think they'd make the playoffs, but Sam, you have them at four, which is very optimistic. So we'll see where they end up. What about your seven and eight? Seven and eight, um, I think these are very interchangeable. I have Indiana and Detroit as seven and eight. That's fair. Um, Indiana got Brogdon. Uh, they did lose um, Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. who went to the Jazz. Um, they now have the trio of TJs. They have Leaf, Warren, and um, McConnell. TJ Warren's been good. Yeah, TJ Warren's been. He was average twenty a game for the Suns in one year. Yeah, I know. He's surprisingly good. That no one, no one's talked about him at all. Unfortunately, oh, they also have Sabonis, but unfortunately, Miles Turner's out for a little bit. Yeah. Oladipo, I don't even know when he's coming back. Hopefully sometime before the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Pistons, they're basically the, going to be the eight seed for the next three or four years. Yeah. The Pistons, they're kind of a weird team. They're stuck in that, like, between 38 and 42 wins uh, mark. Like, very, very solidly stuck in there because with Drummond and Blake Griffin and everyone else they have, they have a high, f- they have a relatively high floor, but really low ceiling. So I also have them penciling in the eight seed and the Pacers at the seven seed. The Pacers, there's like I don't know, there's a f- several teams floating around there. There's the Nets, who I don't think are going to make the playoffs. There's Orlando, which should be better than they are, but their offense just isn't working. 
And then there's the very surprising Charlotte Hornets, who I think are a little bit of a mirage. P.J. Washington has been really pushing them, uh, but he's going to hit the rookie wall at some point. What about Graham? He scored 30 last night. Devontae Graham scored 35 points on the bench last night, which was a Hornets franchise record. But I think the Hornets are a little bit of a mirage, as we're going to talk about later. And while I think they're pretty good, I think they're better than we thought. They're not one of, like, the worst teams in basketball like a lot of people predicted I think a lot of people had them in the bottom three their projection has jumped up a bit but I wouldn't quite crown them uh, as a a playoff team this year I don't think Uh, let's move on to the west who is your one in the west my number one in the west remains the Denver Nuggets Uh, whatchamacallit the Los Angeles Lakers we all want to talk about it. We're going to talk about it, but they're obviously doing very well. But I think the Denver Nuggets uh, are going to end up as the number one seed in the West. They're a team which they've honestly started relatively slow, and they're still they still have the, they're tied for the second-best record in the Western Conference with, um, I think, the— No, they're— Oh, no, they De- have, oh Denver, yes, Denver. Yeah, Denver's got the second-best record in the West. Their offense is what's taking a little while to get going. They've been winning some close games— but I think they're going to make a leap when Jokic, who we should say did play all summer long in uh, in the tournament. in uh, FIBA? In the FIBA tournament. Well, not a lot of other guys actually went to that. A lot of NBA guys dropped out in CUS, finished like in seventh place or something, or sixth or seventh place or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's very weird to see a guy like Jokic, who looks like, you know, me, yeah, um, able to put his body through that. Yeah. For that long. So I think he just needs a little bit to get going. I think there are a lot of guys on Denver's team that make their offense better than you think. And it's good for them that they've already started out as a 5-2 and two team because when they get into the stretch, and I think they're a team that's going to do really well down the stretch when things start clicking, when teams are finding it really hard to play a back-to-back in, on a night in Denver, which has some of the best home court advantage in all of basketball. I think they're a team that is going to pull ahead at some point in the middle of the season, maybe like January or February. They definitely have the pieces if they want to make a deal for any star players who are missing. Like, if There's no reason why they would want to add someone like Blake Griffin, but if they did, they could go out and get him. So I like what I'm seeing from Denver so far, and I think they should finish as the one seed. What about you? Uh, I have the Clippers at one. I think both the combination of their defense, especially with them adding both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, in addition to Montrez Harrell and Patrick Beverly. Yeah. Um, with that bench of Shamit, Lou Williams. Well, I guess is Lou Williams still coming off the bench? Yeah, he still is. Yeah. So Shamit, Lou Williams, Zubats, um lot of those guys are very solid uh, role players mm-hmm. that will give you great quality minutes. They have the two best wing defenders in the league, um, and Paul George is coming back pretty soon. Yeah, and which surprised me a little bit. Yeah, but, you know, they could be the top two in MVP voting. Mm-hmm. It's not out of the question that if, they're a top two. In MVP. Because remember, PG had a great season last year. Up until, like, February when he had – some kind of injury he that we shoulder still, injuries. Yeah, but he 
was probably the number three in MVP in MVP up to that point. I don't think he finished number three though. Yeah. Um. My two is the Nuggets. Okay. Yeah, and for the same reasons that you said, I think all of their guys are still taking a step forward. Harris, Murray, who got locked up to that big extension, Jokic. I mean, it's hard to see him doing yeah it's hard to see him doing anything more but i guess it's possible he's great already i think he's just i don't know taking a little he's a little tired yeah he's he's he Jokic looks like he's out of shape every single game he plays he looks like he's just breathing hard but he also plays absolutely i don't know with as the coolest guy on the court he's just whipping these passes from like his seven foot frame at God knows where, just and always seems to find the open man. He's, uh, he's phenomenal to watch play a basketball game. Yeah. So who's your two? My two. It was the Rockets when we last did this, and I'm gonna say let's keep them there. This is definitely a bit of a risky pick though, because the Rockets seem to have forgotten how to play defense which is not a thing you ever want to do as a basketball team. But what they also have is the best offense in the league. They've scored 119 points a game, which the only team that's scored more is Brooklyn, and Brooklyn is has their own deficiencies, and I think they're going to fall off. But the Harden-Westbrook experiment seems like a success partways. The Rockets are just missing a lot of shots, and that's leading to a lot of transition scores for the other team. I think that those sort of go together. If the Rockets can, if the Rockets threes can start falling, and then they're able to play a lot more in the half court, where they do a lot better with their switch, uh, with their switch heavy defense, then their defense is gonna get better, and their offense is gonna get even better. Daryl Morey talked recently in an interview that their Rockets GM that uh, he thinks that their offense could be historically good, and I seem, I think I agree with him. I think they might have the best offense in the league. It's sort of unstoppable at this point where they have two guys who can shoot from anywhere and Harden Eric Gordon and Eric Gordon's been a little cold and he could heat up. Rust like Harden could heat up. He's missing a lot of shots even though he's getting to the line more than he ever has. Harden is getting to the line. He's averaging five more free throw attempts this year than any year he's ever been in the league, which includes last year which I didn't think was possible. Yeah, Harden, if we if he continues at this pace, is going to average more the second most free throws ever attempted all time. Second, he's going to average about thirteen hundred free throw attempts, second only to Wilts. Yeah, that's it's a lot. That's an incredible amount of free throws to attempt in this season, and so I am very intrigued to see where this Rocket team ends up. Honestly, they there is definitely a scenario where the defense doesn't lock up. They're just cold all year because maybe they're just, I don't know, they're not shooting the right shots. Maybe their contested shots finally catch up with them. Maybe shooting so many threes catch up with them, and they end up as like the fifth or sixth seed and get bounced in the first round. But I really believe in this Rockets team as inconsistent as they've been up to this point. Yeah. What, what about your three? Yeah, my three is also the Rockets. I don't think they're that good, but I think they're – it wouldn't surprise me if they got to the conference finals. Yeah. Um, a lot of teams wouldn't surprise you if you got the conference finals yeah, West this year. But I don't. But it would really surprise me if they actually got to the finals. That's fair. You think that? I think their team has. I think their best chance to win was two years ago. 
I agree. That CP3 injury is yeah. one we're really going to look back on and wonder what could have been. KD would probably still be on the Warriors. As yeah. As crazy as it is to say. West, what, they added Westbrook, which I think is honestly not doing them much good or bad. It's doing them it, good on offense, bad on defense is what I've seen. I don't even know if he's – I just don't think he's doing good on either or bad on either. I really just think he's been average. On offense, he's really been uh, – he's averaged like a drive and kick mode to their team. So they're getting even more corner threes. Uh, they're getting to the rim more than they have as a team before. Harden's getting his own driving lanes too. And so I think he fits well in that offense. It's just CP3 was so much better of an on-ball defender and like would actually get guys ra- raring to go, ready to make a stop on that end of the court. Westbrook is not that guy, and Harden is not that guy. So that's, I think, where the real questions lie. Um, my four is going to be... Oh, my three? Oh, no, you said your three was the Rockets. No, my two was the Rockets. Your two was the... You my have the, two cl- you have the, the You have the Clippers at three? I have the Clippers at three, and I have the Lakers at four, and LA hate, and LA people come right at me, please. Oh, I have the Lakers lower than that. I think both all of those teams are going to finish somewhere around the 55 win mark. I think it's going to be very close. Last year, the two through the four had, uh, I think it was 54 wins, 53 wins, and 53 wins, and I think we have something similar. Because I don't think any of those teams are that good. I don't think any of those teams are, are going to win 60 games just because of different things on the just because of different reasons. But I think the Clippers are very good. There's no getting around that. But, for instance, tonight there's ESPN is having a doubleheader. The first game is the Curryless, Draymondless, everybody-less uh, Warriors against the Rockets. And the second game is the Bucks against the Kawhi-less Clippers. Kawhi has been, is going to rest every single back-to-back, it looks like. And while there are fewer back-to-backs than there have been in the past, that's something which, while it will definitely help them in the playoffs, is not going to help them in the regular season. I think the Clippers are a really good team. I love their depth. They have probably the best depth of any team besides maybe the Nuggets. But and with the star power that nobody but the Lakers and the Sixers and the Rockets can match. But at the same time, I don't know if there's really a path for them to get the one seed the way that they play. Paul George has to come back soon, and he has to come back healthy if they really want to get the one seed, if they really want to win 60 games this year. And then I have the Lakers at four. The Lakers are very good. Anthony Davis and LeBron are both top 10 players in the league, and they're both playing like top 10 players in the league. And their bench is doing well. I'm going to talk about that soon. But I don't know. They're, again, an interesting team, which... One injury could seriously derail them. And if Dwight Howard turns back into a pumpkin or Danny Green uh, starts missing more shots, then they're de- they definitely could be in some serious trouble. But I still think that if LeBron stays healthy, if AD stays healthy, there's no doubt that they're going to win 50-plus games. So I have them as my four. I have Portland as my four. That's nuts. That's it's really not crazy to me. Not nuts. The Lakers just Insane aren't good. To me. The Lakers just aren't a good team. Lakers are six and one. Lakers. Okay, yeah, but they almost lost to the Bulls last night. Yeah, but they did what good championship winning teams do. What is fall down they, nineteen to the Bulls? The Bulls. They roared back and won relatively convincingly, even in the fourth quarter. Obviously, yeah, the Bulls aren't like. I don't know, mur- a murderer's row. They don't have a murderer's row in their starting Don't talk about Tomas Sadoransky like that. <laughs> but I think the Lakers are a team that 
is going to be right about where everyone expected them this year, near the top of the West. And they're showing this far that Anthony Davis has been the best center in basketball and maybe the best player in basketball up to this point. So, I th- and LeBron definitely is not washed. We've seen that much. They had a well, phenom- he is washed. They had a great game against the Mavericks uh, the other night. And, well, you could say, well, close game against the Mavericks. They've close been game cl- against the literally, Bulls. It's almost been a close game every that's single time. Fair. That, that's a perfectly fair point. That is a perfectly fair point. But uh, I think they have the star power to keep them. I don't know, to win, to win them those kind of close games. There are some teams which are winning close games where you're like, how is that happening? That should That's just kind of fluky. Or, the, or like how the Hawks have a tendency to lose close games, although they might be switching that around this year. Stay tuned. But I think the Lakers are a team that is going to win the close games when they need to. But, yeah, they are making it a little too close against teams that aren't quite that good. I just think the Blazers are being slept on by almost everybody. I just think they're being counted out of – like the bigger postseason picture, I think they could ev- they could get to the conference finals again, and it wouldn't surprise me. I honestly wouldn't be too surprised if they made the. I'm really high on both the Blazers and the Hawks. I think they're dark horse finals contenders for me. Hawks is a finals contender. Dark dark horse. Dark dark uh, dark horse. Midnight black horse. But I I think Hassan Whiteside replacing Ennis Cantor is actually a good thing for them. Yeah, but Ennis Cantor wasn't like especially good. It's Nurkic, the guy who needs replacing yeah, for a full season. Yeah, but I, I, I just think the Blazers And they're t- different will, players. They're will, different players. Whiteside is good at defense, bad at offense. Cantor is good at offense, horrific on defense. Although he well, was passable in the playoffs. The Blazers don't have any guys that they're going to need to rest. So they're going to be playing 82 games with their whole lineup. McCollum's not been that great this year. McCollum, it's been kinda, seven games. Yeah, but McCollum also was relatively inconsistent in the playoffs. Yes, he had a great game seven against Denver, uh, but McCollum has not really been the kind of guy who you want to be your second star. Even I think that I Dame Lillard obviously has been one of the best players in the league this year. I think Dame Lillard has outperformed people's expectations, but I think McCollum has underperformed people's expectations. Lakers are my five. Like, okay, that's fair. My five is the Utah Jazz, which I guess you have your six. The Jazz are... No, I have the Jazz as my seven. Really? The Jazz are a team with, I think, a decently high floor. Donovan Mitchell has been great. The issue is the rest of the team hasn't been good enough to match up with them. So they lost Ricky Rubio. Mike Con. Mike Conley was supposed to be this guy who uh, Every- just fit in seamlessly. Okay. I need to rant right now. Okay. Why is everybody so effing high on the Jazz. Mike Conley is not a championship point guard. He's not, he's... I get, oh, really? Well, I mean, he's not adding as much to... Him and Bogdanovich are not adding as much to the team as people think. That's fair. Like, everybody seemed to have them before the season in the top four. I have them the as my five. Well, yeah, but, like, all of... Everybody was like, oh, don't be surprised if the Jazz win 55 games. The Jazz and, were the fifth best team last year in ye- the league, and they seem to have gotten... They seem to have gotten better. Obviously, Conley hasn't fit in well, but Conley also has never really experienced a team where he wasn't the main guy. He wasn't the ball-dominant guy. And Mitchell, Mitchell, as we talk about later, he has actually uh, he's been shooting less. His three-point attempts are down, are way down, and it seems like he's ready to like give up some uh, control to Mike Conley, but Conley has not taken it at all. 
He's, thought, a, he's a pass-first guy. I don't I don't see Conley as a scoring point guard. He should be at least driving, though. Mike Conley should be running that offense well. They should be a team that always well, has, like, two all-star level point guards in the team on other, at either time. It reminds me of the Rockets when they... Obviously, Harden and CP3 are worlds better than uh, Conley and even Mitchell. But I don't. it doesn't seem like Quinn Snyder and the Jazz are really taking advantage of what exactly has been happening. But here's the reason that I am so high on the Jazz. Do you know how many points the Jazz have allowed per game this year? 89. 95.6. That's not great. There's... That's great. No, I know, but that's not as great as I thought it would be. That's like, fine, I, but there's only one team that's even below 100, and that is the Orlando Magic, who have only averaged 93 points a game, so they're just slowing down possessions to a crawl. But the Jazz have the best defense in the league, for sure. It's like the Rockets. No, they don't. Who is a better defense in the league than the Jazz? The Clippers. Six. No, they don't. Yes, they do. The Clippers don't Also, have a- the Bucks. I think I think the Jazz have the third best defense I in the league. I don't like the Bucks defense this year. Really, not at all. The Bucks have been at letting up 110 points a game this year. That's not that good. The, the Jazz are scoring 100. They're only giving up 95 a game. I think that that defense, which has been there in the past couple of years, is definitely here to stay. Conley is a great defender. That Mitchell has been defending just fine. Rudy Gobert is a, is a multiple-time defensive player of the year. The Jazz have a great defense, and the offense is what needs. It's like with the Rockets; they're they're both hovering around like the seven or eight spot in the West right now. With the Jazz, the offense needs to click. With the Rockets, the defense needs to click. But I wouldn't be too surprised if both of those things happened. And the Jazz, well, I don't know if they're going to win fifty-five games. They're going to win. I think they're going to win forty-eight to fifty. I have them as seven, and I have the Mavericks at six. The Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks. I love talk about Luca. I love Luca. I love Porzingis. Finney Luka's Smith, coming to Boston Hardaway. Soon. Yeah, he is. It's our Celtics' next home game is Mavericks, and they just have. I like their young talent. Everybody on that team. Maxi Kleba is Mejri still on that team? I don't know. That he doesn't do much. <laughs> okay, fair. He's cool. He's cool to think about, but he's like... They have a lot of international guys yeah. on their team. They do. I, I just love their team. They seem to all um, know how to play with each other. Yeah. I've liked I've liked watching them. They're just a fun team to watch, and I, th- I think they're capable of even getting to 50 wins this year. That's an interesting... That's a hot take for me. My sixth seed... Um, this is kind of hard. I think before this season, I had... What it, was it the Spurs or was it Minnesota? It was Minnesota. No, I didn't have Minnesota in the playoffs before the season. But right now, I think Minnesota. I think Carl Anthony Towns, he missed the last couple of games, but he's such an offensive force. And he's the kind of guy who really can take over a game. And you don't have that many guys in the league like that right now. So that I think the, I think the rest of the team is just fine around him. Covington is really nice to have. Wiggins is fine. I don't know. He is well, incredibly overpaid, he's but he's... At least this year, he isn't actively making the team worse. And there was just so much bad juju around that team last year with the whole Jimmy Butler thing. That I think Cat was just kind of playing scared a lot, and now he's playing like a guy. He was that. Wait, so you're saying he was a scaredy cat? He was a scaredy cat. Now he's a big cat, and he's coming out ready to roar. Oh my god! Stop! (laughs) Please leave. Anyway, I think that he he just got into a fight with Joel Embiid, which is Cat taking on the best center in the league. 
I think Cat is trying to come for that throne of the best center in the league. And, well, he's not going to take it. What I don't think that's going to happen. They have a really great offense this year. They have one of the top five offenses in the league this year. So I am intrigued to see um, what Minnesota does. I'm so glad that they're outperforming their preseason projections because they're a team that, when they're clicking, are so much fun to watch. Cat is such an exciting player. I have them as my six. Who's your seven? Because I already said my seven is the Jazz. Oh, man. I really would love to put the Mavs in the playoffs this year. I love Luka Doncic so much. He's going to make an all-NBA team this year, and I can't wait. But my seven is the Spurs. Year in, year out, the Spurs are going to make the playoffs. They're doing fine so far. They're like, what, four and three? Who knows what? I don't know if they're playing tonight. But this, it's, I'm, I don't want to be the kind of guy who decides that this is the year that the Spurs miss the playoffs because people have been trying to say that for far too long. And this is not the year. So the Spurs are my number seven, and Portland is my number eight. Spurs are my number eight. I, I do think that there's no way that they miss the playoffs. Yeah. I think there's actually a steep drop-off after eight. I think it's, I, it's easy to see. You think Minnesota, there's a steep drop-off before you get to Minnesota? Yeah, I don't believe in Minnesota. Okay. I think that the Mavs are a good number nine. I want. I think OKC is going to be feisty this year. I think the, King, I think the Sacramento, Sacramento is going to be better than them. Really? Yeah. Sacramento has been an absolute mess so far this season, though. So, well, that's not that not surprising considering it's Sacramento. It is a new coach, but they haven't been able to score. They haven't been able to stop anybody. They started out in five. They did win their last couple of games, but I don't have them there. But yeah, I have Portland on my eight. I think they're. I do like the Whiteside edition, but just like with you and the Hawks, I'm not as quite as high on you as you are on uh, the Trailblazers. So, I don't know. They're good. They're fine. The West is just loaded this year. And so, they need Lillard to stay healthy and great just to be where they're at right now. They need McCollum to really step it up some more. Whiteside isn't the solution. I don't... I really don't like their wings all that much. They're not... They're... Ken Bazemore is okay-ish. Zach Collins is a guy who you still can't keep on the floor that long. Collins just got injured, by the way, too. Oh, really? Yeah, he's out for some period of time. It's a a significant period of time. It's like in the range of like a month or so. I don't love Portland this year. I still have them over the Mavs for the final playoff spot, but I would not complain whatsoever if Luka pulled it off and uh, the Mavs took that eight seed. They're in the playoffs right now. We'll see what happens. So let's move on to three stars. What do you got? Three stars of the week. Three stars of the week. Number one, I want to talk about the Lakers bench. The reason the Lakers are so hot, the Lakers lineup that's (sighs) played easily a majority of their minutes, 50 minutes more than any of their other lineups, is Avery Bradley, Danny Green, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and JaVale McGee. That lineup is fine. It's what not Kuzma? great. Where, where's Kuzma fall? Kuzma's hurt. No, he came back. Well, but he hasn't played the, that lineup. Okay, yeah, but I think Kuzma's going to replace Bradley. That's fair. That, or he should replace McGee, but that's another story. Mm, yes. I like the Twin Towers there. I hate it. Uh, but anyway, so that's their most used lineup. That lineup uh, is, a, whatchamacallit, so this is where, uh, this is offensive rating and defensive rating. This yeah. isn't how many points allowed. Yeah, so this is, this is, Per 100 possessions. Yeah, per 100 possessions, how many points they score and how many they allow. So they 
are they're scoring 104.9 and they're giving up 106.8. So you wouldn't assume a team that's been giving up with their easily their most common lineup that their starters more points than they score is going to be that great of a team. But here's another little lineup that I'm going to read to you. So, remember that last lineup? It was Avery Bradley, yeah. Danny Green, LeBron, AD, and JaVale McGee. This lineup also is Avery Bradley. It's going to have Dwight Howard. I know it's going to have Dwight <laughs> Howard. Don't it's cut gonna, that out because I don't want to it. It's going to have KCP. It. No. It's, it's not going to have KCP. It's Avery Bradley. Okay. It's Danny Green. Defense, defense. It's LeBron James. Not defense. It's oh, it's all right this year. It's Anthony Davis. Somewhat defense. And it's Dwight Howard, baby. <sighs> that lineup with Dwight Howard, do you know what their offensive rating is? 110? An otherworldly 137.9. How many minutes? In 14 minutes. Oh, well, not, then no. Well, it's also seven games, so not a lot of teams. That's two. That's That means they're playing the lineup two minutes per game. Or they play the lineup like five, five I don't know. They haven't been, Dwight Howard wasn't playing the first few games. But anyway, and then do you want to know what their defensive rating is? Is it in the 90s? <laughs> Go lower. Is it actually in the 80s? Go lower. What's their defensive rating? 63.3. Do you realize that well, they... I mean, I did say defense, def- like three and a half of those guys. Yeah, but it's, it's, no, but it's the same. That lineup with, with JaVale McGee has given... It, their defensive rating is 106.8, which is a little... Which is kind of below average. But 63.3 when all you do is replace JaVale with Dwight Howard? Start Dwight Howard immediately. That's plus over 60 points. That's a 60-point difference between uh, the offense and the defense. A 65-point difference between the two uh, lineups overall. Can you believe that? Can you believe that JaVale McGee is playing any minutes when Dwight Howard is back, baby? Dwight Howard is back? I guess we have to buy our tickets to small sample theater. And not only that, that lineup is averaging three assists per turnover, which is otherworldly. And also... Their shooting percentage for the other lineups, or two shooting percentages, what, like around a 50-ish, 55-ish? That lineup is shooting 75.4% true shooting. That lineup is hitting everything, and that lineup is shutting down completely on defense. Dwight Howard has been just raging this year. He's been great. You were sort of right, though, about KCP. The lineup with LeBron, Dwight, KCP, uh, Jared Dudley, and Troy Daniels... (laughs) actually has an offense rating of 119.4 and a defensive rating of only 103. You know why I think that is? That's the lineup that goes in for garbage time. No, that's the lineup that's played like also like 15 minutes. Yeah, that's garbage time. That's their bench, their garbage time lineup? Yeah, so that's just, a garbage time lineup. That's 100% a garbage time LeBron lineup. garbage time? Maybe just to pick up his, you know, his uh, What? Stats. No, that, no, you said... LeBron. You said Jared Dudley. LeBron, Dwight, Jared Dudley, KCP, and Troy Daniels. That's their second most commonly played lineup. Ew. Yeah, but that lineup has a hundred ninety-four like, offensive rating. That sounds like a 2018 Cavs lineup. I know. It, it really does. LeBron can do anything, it seems like, as long as he has Dwight Howard with him. LeBron and Dwight Howard, a match made in heaven. Just reminding me of the 2009 final, uh, Eastern Conference Finals all over oh, again. Oh, yeah. God bless America. Anyway. Well, I, I, here's what I think. I think Danny Green is LeBron's favorite teammate. As a player, yeah, Danny Green has just decided he's actually going to be good in the regular season. Well, no, the th- no, I'm saying because he's finally a guy that he can kick out to from the corner. Exactly, Danny Green. If PJ Tucker played with LeBron on the team, LeBron would just cry out of happiness. PJ Tucker would be LeBron's favorite teammate ever. I think. Who's your next star? 
Okay, my next star is... <sighs> this one makes me sad. It's young guys getting busted. Because uh, yeah. I have some serious takes on this. Uh, okay, I'm going to put on a little bit of a conspiracy theorist hat on right now. Are you ready for this? I don't know if I am. What okay. is this about to be? So, who got busted? Aiden. DeAndre Aiden got busted. First of all, I've got my take that the Suns are better with Aiden getting busted, but that's for later. And now uh, John Collins gets busted. What's it, What do these guys have in common besides the fact that they're big men? See, John Collins went to Wake Forest. DeAndre Aiden went to Arizona. Okay, not it's not that <laughs> complicated. What? They're both big men? Aiden's a second-year player and Collins is a third-year player, and they both got busted for PEDs. What I think is that there's been sort of talk in a, for a while of, hmm, how are these extremely tall men getting so jacked and running so much every single night and seeming not to lose any muscle mass? And I've seen quotes all over the past several years. Of, it's, actually, oh, it's actually quite easy. You just load up on calories without loading up on fat. Okay. But there's, they're in just phenomenal shape. It's pretty impressive. Not going to lie. But anyway, there's been talk that like 75% of the league is on PDs or some sort of steroids or HGH That's a bit too big of a conspiracy for that me. That might be too big. That's, that's not my conspiracy. That's not my conspiracy. But another thing that's been common in the NBA is that their testing is sort of uh, viewed as a joke. Like they let you know so long in advance. They only test you once yeah. or twice a season. It's very different from sports like baseball or the Olympics or even football, where the testing is a lot more serious. It's random. You're going to get it more than you think is going to happen, and they test for more stuff. In the NBA, it's kind of been a joke. And so what I think I think the NBA is kind of playing a long game here. I think they're trying to send a message to new guys coming in the league like, hey, this isn't okay. If we're going to bust you. We're going to test young guys early and often, like guys who are clearly trying to build muscle, uh, because they need to be able to bang with the big bodies in the league. They're going to be like, try to do it the legal way, please. And so I think in the, maybe 10 or 15 years, the NBA is trying to be that league with which doesn't have any scandals but still has really good drug testing, and the players just decide to stop taking steroids overall. Do I think that's going to work? No. But I love the NBA's idea of it. I love the idea of the NBA being like, yeah, we'll just – catch a bunch of young guys because clearly the young guys are most likely to be doing it in the first place and second if the young guys think are have the nba and like the back of their heads like oh they busted aiden they busted john collins two like really well-known guys in the league who are who could be real stars for the nba when the nba isn't afraid to go at its young stars that makes everyone else a little more nervous i think and that's my conspiracy theory right there Bit too far fetched. Let's just go on. What's your next star? Um, well, my next thing was before that. I did want to talk a little bit about the Hawks. Okay. So this is this is something when I was looking at lineup data, I did see this. Uh, so the Hawks' most played lineup, thirty five minutes, is with Trey Young. Uh, it's with what their two rookies. Who are their rookies? Reddish and Hunter. Reddish and Hunter. It's with Alex Len and John Collins. That's their most commonly played lineup because the Hawks' go-to move is the Trey Young, John Collins pick and roll, which yeah. has really been phenomenal with for them this year. It's had a hundred one point four offensive rating, which is pretty good, and an eighty four point nine defensive rating, which is really impressive. Yeah. 
which isn't something you'd yeah, expect. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that to ha- be a very yeah. good defensive lineup. Yeah, and so that's been really good to have with John Collins. Except, and here's the, but here's their second most commonly played lineup. It's those same guys, but instead of John Collins, it's Jabari Parker. And so we were talking about this a little earlier. Jabari Parker, there's a bit of like a jabari assance or something like that. That lineup, which isn't quite as good, is still has is a plus seven, uh, plus six point nine, pretty nice uh, uh, rating, which is a, it's a hundred offensive rating, which is pretty much even, and a ninety three point one defensive rating, which is worse but not terrible. I think the Hawks are going to be pretty good still, without Collins on the team, and Jabari Parker in the running the pick and roll with Trey Young, which we saw last night actually work out relatively decently, is something to watch. And if Jabari Parker ends up being a good player in this league and finally stops getting hurt, that'd be really nice to see. Yeah, I actually had him back when, way back when, I had him as my number one pick over Wiggins. Oh, really? Yeah. I had Wiggins as my number one, Parker my number two, and MB as my three. I mean, that's the way it went. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. One day we'll talk about the 2012 draft where I had Draymond Green as the 10th overall pick. Anyway. Anyway, but I also had Thomas Robinson as number two, so that shows you how much I know. Anyway, my third star, my last third and final star. Who do you think has been the best player in the uh, NBA this year? Um, I think there are several contenders for the title, but who do you who would you want to say? I gosh, hold on, let me do some quick research here. Just off the top of your head, no, I know, I still want to do some quick research off the top of my head (laughs) because you know that's definitely a thing. All right, well, you go look Uh, that up. Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic. Okay, um, that's fair. I think Luka has been. I think Luka's been pretty good this year. I think AD has been good. I think LeBron has been good. I think Kyrie has been good, even though he's been terrible for his team. But the player that I think has been the most impressive this year has been Donovan Mitchell. All right. Donovan Mitchell this year. So when I, you know how I was talking about how the Jazz like have a good defense but not that great of an offense? Mm-hmm. So when Donovan Mitchell is on the court, the Jazz defensive rating is 94.6. When he's off the court, it's 95.7, which isn't a huge difference, right? Right. Do you want to hear their offensive ratings? Yeah, what's the on-off splits? So the on-split for Donovan Mitchell is 107.3. Yeah. Which is pretty good, especially considering that the off-split is 82. Yikes. There's a 25-point difference in offensive rating when Mitchell is on the court versus when he sits. And so then I decided, I was like, well, has he backed that up? And so what I saw, which was fascinating to see from Mitchell, is that he has the same minutes as last year. I think he's playing like 0.2 more minutes per game. He's up two points per game from 23 to 25. He's way down in three-point attempts. I think he's shooting three less threes this year. But at the same time, he's become incredibly efficient. He's not going to be a member of the 50-40-90 club because his free throws aren't that great, but he's shooting. He's slashing 52 from field goal percentage. He's 44.4 from the three-point line, which is really good. Yeah. If Mitchell can become a 45% three-point shooter, that immediately raises yeah, his ceiling to top 10 player, yeah, top five player gonna, in the league. I was going to say top 10, but yeah. Yeah, and his three-third percentage is pretty good, 78.3. And also, he's up one and a half point, uh, one and a half free-throw attempts per game, so he's definitely getting to the line more. His true shooting percentage is much higher than it's ever been at 61.1%, which is really good for a guard, and he cut his turnovers directly in half. It was three last year. It's one and a half this year. Donovan Mitchell, we talked about it in the last pod that got garbled, but I said that I thought he was going to be one of the starting guards 
in the Western Conference All-Star game this year. I don't know if that's going to happen because of Dame Lillard and James Harden, but I think that Mitchell has a really clear-cut case for being the third best uh, guard in the Western Conference this year since Steph is hurt. I remember when I picked the Michigan Wolverines to beat the Donovan Mitchell-led Louisville Cardinals in the tournament, and they did that one year, but then they lost to Oregon. They did lose to Oregon. Yeah. Well, Donovan Mitchell was the 13th pick. He sh- Clearly, he should have been higher. Him or Tatum should have been the number one pick, but I don't know. I think Donovan Mi- I really liked Donovan Mitchell before this year, and he's been even better than I could have predicted. Like, that 44.4 percentage shooting from three, I really hope that's sustainable and not just a product of him. I don't know. Maybe he's just picking his shots better. Maybe that's why he's taking fewer. Or maybe the Jazz offense is just isn't doing a great job in creating them. But I hope he is able to inch up that volume back up to where it was if the Jazz offense is able to get going. All right. You, we got anything else to talk about? I don't think so. I think that's pretty much it. All right. Yeah. So... Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. I guess we didn't talk about uh, college didn't, football playoff. Yeah, so I'll leave you with this. Ohio State at one, absolute joke. Ohio State's been the best team all year. They I, just really haven't. Oh, here's my hot take. I have a hot take about okay. this. Bring back the BCS. Really? Really, because right now your number one team is Ohio State. Number two is LSU. Number three is Alabama. Number four is Penn State. What What do those teams have in common with each other? They're all undefeated. Well, besides that. Ohio State's going to play Penn State. Yeah, very no, soon. yeah, that's that's true. And yeah. LSU is going to play Alabama. So, yeah, very yeah, soon. we had we had to talk about this last night. The top four is going to settle itself after after, of course, the SEC championship. Whether Georgia and yeah. might get in there and Georgia, which lost to South Carolina, yeah, they lost to the Gamecocks. Yeah. A terrible double overtime game, but oh my god, so many missed field goals. Anyway, yeah, so I think it's going to finish LSU, Alabama. I think Ohio State three, and I would honestly. If Ohio State doesn't lose, they're gonna finish at the top. I think Ohio State's gonna lose to Penn State. Okay, then Penn State's gonna finish above them. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think that through. But yeah, but so here's my here's what I think. I think we're probably gonna get a college football playoff, which has two one loss teams in it, or we're gonna have an undefeated Clemson, which none of us think is as good as uh, the four. The four teams from the Trevor big Lawrence tw- is horrible. Yeah, from the big, he's just been bad this year. He's thrown he's eight bad. picks. He's like he's leading the ACC in picks. He really is just not good. Yeah, I just don't buy the hype in him. Yeah, and so anyway, I think bring back the BCS. I would absolutely love an Ohio State LSU title game this year. They both just really perform better than even better than people's expectations, and I think that would be a great game. But even Alabama Penn State. <laughs> would be phenomenal. I would love to see Penn State in the in the final or in the final. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I wish you would we would bring back the BCS. Forget about like the random college football. Like, oh, we need to have four teams because that's gonna end up making things dumb. If we could just have like a mano a mano, like Alabama versus Ohio State or LSU versus Penn State or LSU versus Ohio State or any of those four combinations in the title game, like. We our college football playoff would basically be the LSU Bama game this week and the Ohio State Penn State game. Yeah, yeah. So that's my sad take. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Those are the four best teams. I don't know if you can really argue with that. And it's a shame that some of them are just gonna have one loss. It's gonna be a weird college football playoff where like one team might be a team beat a team that they lost to earlier in the season. Just even based on like one team had home field advantage before. I don't know. So yeah. 
that's my take on that. And if you want any 2020 uh, draft takes, Tyrese Maxey is going to be uh, incredible. Yeah, we're going to stop here. Okay, we're going to stop we're gonna here. We're going to stop here. We'll see you guys next week. Um, this podcast hopefully will not be super garbled. And if it is, you're never going to hear it. So, all right. See ya.